church in that same spirit wherever you are. You might be watching online if you're in person, but uh, you know, it's one thing to sing that lyric, and it's another thing to just proclaim the truth of that lyric as the family of faith, which is what we are, a family, a body. And so right now in that same spirit, could we just lift up, just wherever you might be, feeling so led, just to declare something that makes God so good to you. Just one sentence, just popcorn all over the place. Let's just, let's just declare the goodness of God. So easy to come to a gathering or to tune in and just listen and not just participate and, and allow just the truth of who you are to well up in our hearts to the point of declaring with our mouth the greatness of who you are. And so, Father, we pray right now. We, we, we pray for this time together wherever the church of Jesus Christ is in listening right now as your word is opened up. Father, do a work today, I pray. Do a work, we pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I want to open with a question today. And the question is, what comes to your mind when you think of this word? Just what first comes to your mind when you think of this word church? Just, yeah, community. You know, um, this entity right here, the church, the organism really that God's word says the church is, not an institution, not a social club, it is a living organism comprised of people of faith that have diverse walks of life, diverse ages, diverse perspectives, and it's a, it's a living organism. And when God created the church, this is a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant back in Genesis. Remember back in January, we were in the book of Genesis as we were walking through the Bible and we continue to walk through the Bible in a year. And God made a promise to Abraham. He says, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And when God says it, that's a promise. Amen? Amen. And he says, this is a promise. You can bank on that. In the last two weeks, we talked about Jesus' death. We talked about Jesus' resurrection. And now we find ourselves in a place where, where now... Jesus Christ has done everything possible to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant, and he does that through this creation, and that is the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, man, that is just such good news. I mean, think about this. I mean, it caught even the people of God, the Jewish nation, off guard. 
Because they said, what, what do you mean? You, you're opening up this good news to the world. Yes, that was always my intention. Because as creator God, I designed mankind to live in relationship with me. And sin messed that up. And so the only one who could bridge that gap between sinful man and a holy God is who? Jesus, this is why our mission statement here is helping people take a step closer to Jesus because Jesus addresses the fundamental problem of the human soul. And that problem is sin. And I tell you, there's a lot of messages out there, even in church world, that is getting away from that being the fundamental problem of man. But sin always is the fundamental problem. And Jesus, by the grace of God, on the cross, he dealt with this once and for all. Isn't that good news? Man, I tell you, I, I just, this is good. It's good for us. And that is the grace of God extent, was extended to you and me. And you might think you're deserving, but you're not. I might think I'm deserving. I mean, I had to go through seminary and all that kind of stuff. And it was a hard road. But you know what? Even that, there's nothing we could do to merit, to earn the grace of God. Have you taken that to heart? See, the church is God's living organism to continue to be the movement of God on earth. And the amazing thing is that so many people, when you saw that word, you think church is a place you come for religious goods and services, right? And then when you get tired of this church, you go to the next church. And then after you're tired of that church, you go to the next church because you're looking for the goods and services that will best meet your needs. The question is, is that what God designed the church to be? Now, we could easily say that. But see, the church was to be a movement of God, the ecclesia of God. Ecclesia is called out once in the power of Jesus' resurrection, empowered through the Holy Spirit of God. And this is what we get to participate of together. And you watching online, you get to join with us even right now as we are the church of Jesus Christ together. And that's good news. So I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, I think it's on page 1080 in the Bible in front of you. If you don't have your scriptures, I want you to turn there in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Uh, the amazing thing about the book of Acts is that this is the second book of a two-volume account of the life of Jesus. And I say life of Jesus because as you're turning there in your Bibles... Um, you're going to see this word that says Jesus began. So it, it will be a continuation of what Jesus began. But before we get there, I want to read from Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Because I want to give us a perspective of what the church is to be. 
not just how it came to be, but what the church is to be. And I think a wonderful snapshot is here in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with, uh, in which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay? So that is really what the church is to be. A place where we are engaged in relationship to help keep our eyes on Jesus, the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. And to be in community with others who love us enough that when they see us going through a very difficult journey and our focus is getting more on our circumstance than on to Christ, we have the kind of relationship that said, no, come on, come on, here you go. Let me lovingly come alongside you, not in judgment because I'm susceptible to the same thing. That we be a gymnasium, a, a, a place where we can work out truth and grace together. So this is really a picture of what that is to look like. I, I can't tell you how many times when I bring up why the church is so important to one spiritual growth. In fact, God's word says you cannot grow properly apart from the church of Jesus Christ. But if you noticed, the church does not get high marks today in our culture, right? I mean, before COVID, church attendance nationally was going down. After COVID, bam, it, it, it's really dropped. In fact, pastors all over the country are going, what happened to my peeps? What happened to my people? Where is everybody? And I just read an article this last week that said this, that the church had been so many times so filled with people who just attended for the religious services, the feel-good experiences, all that kind of stuff, that they said, pastors, be encouraged because the people that you have, and I'm not saying even those watching online are not engaged. I got emails this week of those who are incredibly engaged watching online, but having community and Bible study and encouragement in their homes, it's like, praise God, way to go. You could be still even more a part of the church doing that out there than even coming here and saying, this better be good. They better sing the songs I like. It better not be too loud. Or I hope it's loud enough. You know, everyone's got opinions. So, so today the church is born, Acts 1 and 2, covering two chapters today. Pray for me. So, Lord, how's it going to do it? We will do it. Here we go. Um, let's stand with the reading of God's word, Acts chapter 1. Uh, volume 1 is the Gospel of Luke. Volume 2 is the Acts of the Apostles. And again, as I said, it's a continuation. So it says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. In my Bible, I have began underlined because the book of Acts is the continuation of the work of Jesus on the earth. Have you ever thought about that? See, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus comes, Jesus is born, he comes, and he walks alongside of those. He teaches, he preaches, he heals, he's doing all of that. And then, at the end of Luke, he ascends, 
And so we have a little bit of overlap here in Acts 1. And it's like, okay, now, instead of walking beside you, I am going to indwell you. Which is better? Would you rather have Jesus beside you or within you? Within. So it says this, until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this was going to be a baptism of fire. If you go back to John chapter 3, Jesus has an encounter with Nicodemus. And he says this, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. But he says, how does one get born again? He says, by being baptized by water, cleansed of your sin, and fire. And that is living under the inspiration and the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. So, with that. Um, so, I, I want to stop right there, just real briefly, to say that these apostles knew that Jesus has died and Jesus has resurrected, and they knew that, and they knew what the mission was to be, and isn't it amazing, even though they knew that, Jesus had a four-letter word that they were to practice in anticipation for what he was going to be calling them to do, and that was W-A-I-T, wait. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then verse 8, circle this, because I think this is the main verse in the whole entire book of Acts. That is kind of the thesis statement. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Aren't you glad that was the mission? Because we are the end of the earth. And we are united under the headship of Jesus. And when he had seen, said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. More of that in December. Okay? Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God. Um, open our hearts to embrace your vision of the church and how you have positioned each one, whether in person or online, to function as spirit-empowered conduits that dare to storm the gates of hell with a message of hope and healing. Forgive us for sitting back in fear as we watch the disillusionment of darkness sweep through our culture, yet do nothing to proclaim the life-saving, eternity-altering message of God's love to a hurting world. May we not be silent, Lord. May your church 
continue to herald our God-given purpose in our lips and our lives wherever you may lead us to do so. Lord, raise up a congregation of sent ones, I pray, in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this is the first part that we're going to uh, focus on here, here uh, briefly, and, and that is as, as we um, engage in mission, uh, Jesus has created the church for a, a, a purpose, and he's given a, a plan and the means by which to do so. So the means by which the church is to function is this. Verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He says, you're going to receive something. Now, the question is, did Jesus' apostles have the Holy Spirit before Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? I want you to think about that. Some people said no, no. But the interesting thing is they knew Jesus to be the Son of God. Other scripture says it's only through the Holy Spirit that one will be able to respond to see Jesus and recognize Jesus as Lord. Okay? So the amazing thing here is that this is a, a, a continuation of what um, Jesus said back in Luke. In Luke, he says, you will be clothed with power from on high. You're going to be clothed with a unique power from on high. And I got to thinking about that and say, what does that look like? Because we live in a day where people have all kinds of opinions about the Holy Spirit. And in fact, when they read through the book of Acts, what happens so many times is they read through the book of Acts as it being a prescriptive book rather than a descriptive book. Uh, well, here's what I mean by that. Because I talk to many people and say, hey, well, there's, you know, we're going to get to Acts chapter 2, and they're speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. And so one who is filled with the Holy Spirit, they take that as a prescription that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. But I want to caution us here, because everything that goes on here in the book of Acts, that yes, there are some, some prescriptive elements to it, but there's a lot of descriptive elements to it. That yes, this is a historical setting of here is the work of Jesus through the church and how it was to progress. But the means by that is the Holy Spirit. And I, and I want to ask you, if you have had times in your walk with the Lord that are so unique and you feel such a closeness that you can't explain that. Have you ever experienced that before? Now, I know some people had such a rich experience at that time that it was like a mountain-high time experience that there's almost like a demand and an expectation to hit that every time they go to the assembly. And so, therefore, Christian leadership so many times goes, okay, we've got to fabricate and do whatever emotional situation to help you get back on that mountaintop experience. But I just think there are times, and I am going through one of those times in my life right now. The last few months have just been a very unique time for me personally. And it has been a hard time. And I'm wanting to tell you this, that though it has been a hardest of seasons, it's been the most wonderful of seasons. Has that happened to you? Wait, 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 wait. But when everything's going my way, 
then I praise God and praise and worship. But when things don't go my way, then I stop praising God and worship. Well, then that means that is just an indicator that you are worshiping God more for the gifts than who he is. I tell you, some of the most amazing things you read in scripture, Jesus, is prom- Jesus promises persecution. You know why? Because it keeps you dependent on him. Right? And we don't like that. Oh, as American Christians, we hate that. We just got to work harder and all that kind of stuff. And so many times God's got to strip you down so that you will look up. That is the power of the Holy Spirit because the power of the Holy Spirit will in those times make you feel such a closeness. It's like when you had kids and those kids at, at times, you're walking with them, you're on vacation with them, you're living with them, everything's going great. But every so often, do you remember what it was like to have one of your parents then pick you up in their arms and just hold you close? And when they did that, it's almost like all fear subsided. And I find that is how those times are for me in my walk with the Lord, and maybe hopefully for you in your walk with the Lord, that even when things don't go as you think they should, if you are God, and they go a little bit different, I want you to always be available and, and know that that might be the Holy Spirit of God drawing you to the presence of God in a deeper way. Isn't that good? See, the power of the Holy Spirit does that. The power of the Holy Spirit does that. But what are some of the functions? So the first one is, as I just said, he draws us to Jesus. He's drawing. It is the word of God that says it is only through the Holy Spirit that one is drawn. And because you are here today, I don't know where you are in your walk of faith, but being here, I think there's a particular drawing that the Holy Spirit of God might be doing in your heart. But not only does he draw us to Jesus, but he gifts us to encourage others. That he gifts us. Now again, I'm not going to get deep into the subject matter of spiritual gifts, but in February we will get deep into the subject of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. And we're going to do that, but he gives us gifts to encourage others. And I know that this place, what has made Grace Spring a rich place, is the giftings that people have used in exercising those giftings for the benefit of the kingdom of God. I mean, it's amazing to me that, have you seen that new siding at church, you know, here in the building? Um, You know, it's done by volunteers. I see Sandy out there, she's painting and it's cold and it's snowing and she's working out there. I mean, it's just, it is the body of Christ being the body of Christ in amazing ways. Some of you write notes of encouragement to me or to others, and they were just at the right time. There was a community group that mailed me this week the most encouraging of notes, and they all signed their names and said, we are praying. And it's just like, man, I'm not throwing that thing away. I'm going to frame that one. But you know, God has gifted you. He's given you gifts to encourage others. And your encouragement here might look different than your encouragement at, at your place of employment, in your neighborhood. But see, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do that. And also, John 14, 26 reminds us of this, that the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus taught. Now, do you need reminding of what Jesus taught throughout the week? I need reminded. 
And many times I'm going through stuff, and it's just like, hey, Brian, look at this text. Look at this text. Hey, meditate on this, not just for the day. Meditate on this text this week. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. And it's so helpful to my soul. So you have here the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit coming. But also, notice here in Acts 1-8, he goes on. And he says, you will be my witnesses. Now, what is a witness? A witness is one who has observed something in the court of law and is testifying to what they have seen. Now, the amazing thing about this account is that Theophilus, if you noticed, we read about this guy Theophilus in verse 1. Um, Theophilus financed Luke doing research because not a whole lot is known about this Theophilus guy. Some think that he might be a Christian who was being persecuted, and when he was getting discouraged, he just wanted to say, hey, I, I really want written proof that I can bank on everything I'm giving my life to. Now, some think that Theophilus was in that category. Others think that Theophilus himself might have been a skeptic and wanted to hire somebody like a doctor like Luke, who's about precision, to say, get a detailed eyewitness account. And so here it says, you are to be my witnesses. You are to be my witnesses. You have borne witness to my death, and you have borne witness to my resurrection. And now you're going to bear witness to my presence within you, leading you in ways that you don't always understand, but is always right. So you are going to be my witnesses. So, so we, we, we've got the power, we've got the purpose, and lastly, the plan. The local plan. That's not like local. Well, it's local and global combined. Creative, right? <laughs> Let's get global. Um, it's a global plan of gospel multiplication, of, of getting the good news out. Um, here it says, beginning in Jerusalem. It's a reminder that, yes, God has called you to love him. God has called you to love his bride, the church. God has called you to love the city in which he's deposited you. And God has called you to also extend your love to the world. Okay, so that's a, that's a bigger than life calling that God has called each one of us to. Not just pastoral staff. No, it is for all of us. We are the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the movement of God. You are a living portion of the body of Christ, designed by God perfectly. No mistakes. And the question is, how has God positioned you to do that in the local assembly? And I call the local assembly the small C church, the global as the large C church. And what I love about the church is that this is God's invention to impact the world. And we get to be a part of that. If you ever want to get me ticked pretty quickly, and I'm just confessing this to you, just say something bad about the church. <laughs> I'm telling you. And I'm not saying just at Grace Spring. No, I, I, I'm just saying the church of Jesus Christ. 
Okay, when some people think they're doing me a favor by down, uh, you know, talking bad about another church, I'm just like, stop, stop right there. Don't need to hear about that. We are the family of faith together. And we've got to contend for the purposes of God, the plan of God, but in the power that God provides. Amen? So as we continue on, um, look at chapter 2. You finally have, after about 10 days of these disciples doing what Jesus told them, we're going to wait. It says there in uh, verse 14 of Acts 1, all these were of one accord. They were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They says, so, so for about 10 days, they are waiting. They don't know necessarily what they're waiting for. But they're waiting for something. And then the Holy Spirit of God shows up in an amazing way. And so here we read in Acts 2, 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It says God shows up. And a fire is there. You know, I, I, I think of that fire, it, it's, it's the purifying, the, the, the cleansing, the, the, the presence of God himself. Remember, Moses, how did God speak to Moses? By way of fire, a burning bush. Here you have now the Holy Spirit of God. And, and now you have the apostles as the conduits of Jesus himself. And these tongues were real languages spoken. And as they were telling the, the good news of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and what they were, were eyewitnesses to, and said, now, you, you have your sins have been dealt with. But when people saw these uneducated Galileans speaking in various languages and making purpose, perfect sense. They were amazed and they were astonished. And then Peter, this guy who had, who had denied Jesus, remember, numerous times, because a teenager said, hey, weren't you with Jesus? He said, no, 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 not me, not me. No, no, I think I saw you with Jesus. No, not me. To a teenage girl. And now you have Peter who is proclaiming in all boldness the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's love and his redemptive work. And he does that so boldly that I want you to look at chapter 2, verse 36. It's the conclusion of his message. And he says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, is that a way to make friends? That's pretty offensive. Now, you guys, you crucified him, but then he says, but I did also. In fact, I found it very fascinating years ago when the Passion of the Christ came out. That Mel Gibson had only one cameo in that movie. And do you know what Mel Gibson's cameo was in The Passion of the Christ? It was his arm nailing the spikes into Jesus' hands and feet. That was his way of saying, 
I nailed him to the cross. You nailed him to the cross. How are people going to respond to this? Well, look at the next verse. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the work of Jesus' blood his atoning blood that enables you and I to have relationship with the living God. And because he has cleansed us from within, now the Holy Spirit of God can indwell us because of the righteousness of Jesus that has been imputed onto you or credited to you. That's what makes yourself holy before a holy God. It's nothing by what you do. It's everything by what Jesus did. And I'll tell you, verse 37 is convicting to me. It's convicting to me. Because how many times when I read the scriptures or hear the scriptures or have the scriptures taught to me or explained to me, do I have my heart cut to the quick and then do nothing about it? Does that happen to you? I know some people love to bring encouragement my way or whoever is bringing the word my way and just say, man, what a great sermon. But then it's like, well, let's see what you do about it here in the next few months and tell me how great of a sermon it was. Because see, the word of God is cutting to the quick of our heart so that he will incarnationally change us from the inside out. But it comes with first embracing I was born a sinner, separated from God, born an enemy of God. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, who gave me what I didn't deserve, paid the debt that I owed, and he gave his life for me. And this cut them to the quick. 3,000 in one day. So the church went from about 120 to 3,120 in just one great sermon. And you notice the sermon wasn't that long. Hey, okay. All right. That was bound to happen. Bump, set, way to spike it. Thank you for that. But when you allow the Holy Spirit of God to continue to woo you and you respond to that, that's when the transformation begins. And that's what this is to be about, a transformational group where we are all in process. Some are further along than others, but make no mistake, the Christian life is not this, folks. The Christian life is this, right? Now, you want the trajectory to keep going upward. But you know, some of the time of my greatest growth in the Lord is, right? And we go, what's going on, Lord? He says, I'm making you more dependent on me. It's no fun. But it's exactly what you need, right? I respect this uh, pastor 
And Dr. Tony Evans, he says this, far too often when we have limited the definition of the church, uh, he said, not in all cases, but in many cases, church has become an informational, inspirational weekly gathering rather than a group of people that God has ordained from heaven to operate on his behalf on earth in order to bring heaven's viewpoint into history. Isn't that great? And then he says this, who wouldn't want to give their lives for that? And I think about that. Have we so dumbed down what church is to be based on our cultural context rather than the biblical context? This is why we're going through the Bible in here. So that you will read the scripture, see how it all ties together and the redemptive work of God, and he has created the church, the church, the capital C church, the, the church universal that calls on Jesus Christ alone. Some people say, again, this is why I can't get a, be a part of the Christian church because it's so exclusive. And I go, yes, but Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Why could Jesus say that? Because he raised from the dead. That's why. That's why. May this never get old. See, when you look at the end of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to three things. Those who were changed because of the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, look at 242. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You, you see here, because they devoted themselves to the purposes of God, because they said, hey, I am all into the purposes of God. He gave his life for the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, to be a movement to continue to spread light into a dark world. We are the movement. Forgive us, Lord, for being stagnant and not the movement, Lord, that you have created this to be. But God has given, he's designed us to be part of the movement of God to advance. So that comes with devotion. Nice to tell you, there's so many people that say, well, I am so busy today, Brian. You have no idea. You don't see me much at church because we got this and we got this and we got this and we got this. And I just said, the priority of life needs to be gathering with others who can hold us to keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because, see, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. It keeps reminding us, hey, remember Jesus? Remember what Jesus said? The role of the Holy Spirit is to keep reminding us of Jesus. Jesus. Look to Jesus. Preach the gospel to yourself. He died for you. Yeah, but my identity is in my success. No, 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 no. Because success comes and goes. Your identity cannot be in success. Your identity has to be in who you are because of whose you are. 
that's the identity you are to function from. You see, church, and they had glad hearts. Why were they glad hearts? They were glad hearts because they see how the love of Christ impacted those that were around them, and everyone was take caring, taking care of one another, and it's like, we've never seen this kind of thing before. So they were glad hearts, and because they were glad hearts, they were also generous hearts. What I love about Grace Spring Bible Church, and that is our generosity. As Debbie said at the opening of service, you know, we have all these ways of we as a church family have been a blessing to so many because you have worshiped through giving. It's not that God needs your money. It's that he invites you to use your time, your talent, your treasure to be the church of Jesus Christ, to impact globally, the local and the global and everything in between. And we get to be a part of that church. We get to be a part of that. See, the big idea of today is this, that our spirit-empowered faithfulness to the mission produces effectiveness in carrying out the mission. Matthew 16, 17 through 19. Because of time, I'm not going to read that to you, but Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. And he said this, Peter, on your declaration that I am the Son of God, I will build my church on that truth. And guess who's not going to be able to prevail over that? Hell. It says the gates of hell will not prevail. Isn't that good news? It's great news because you read all kinds of Christian literature that seems to be touting how the gates of hell are prevailing. And they go, not here. We've got the Holy Spirit We've got the power. We have got everything that Christ has made possible. You have access to that church. You have access when you continue to press into the presence and the resources of God. And that you not live a wimpy and complacent and comfortable life, but that you dare to join Jesus in saying there are gates of hell that need coming down. Right? We get to be a part of that church. We get to be in tune with the Holy Spirit of God enough to say, Lord, where you lead us, we will go. Not everything will make sense, but Lord, help us to dare to fish broadly and deeply. Let us go broadly to to be able to reach everyone we can with the good news of Jesus, but deeply Because we say, hey, we are daring to go after those fish that are so deep that nobody wants to fish that deep. And I just say, bring it on. Bring it on. So my question in closing is, what are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? What are you giving your life to? How are you engaging and being the church? Oh, people, if church is just a place you go for spiritual goods and services to make your life better and more comfortable and feel good, and yet you're not on mission with the Holy Spirit of God, may you confess that right now. Confess 
your sin to the Lord, and he is faithful and just, and he will forgive your sin. What is sin? Knowing the good you ought to do and not doing it. We as a church, our leadership team, we are pressing into the Lord we are acknowledging, Lord, you are doing and have done so many good things here at Grace Spring, but may you do great things at Grace Spring. And sometimes the good gets in the way of great. Do you want great? Now, great might look a whole lot different than your definition of great. I know for a lot of people here, and I hear it, great is, oh, let's have tons of people here. That's great. You know what? Every time I saw Jesus have a whole throng of people, he said something to tick off a lot of people, and they left. I would rather have 300 devoted followers of Jesus Christ that are so all in than 3,000 that would call Grace Bring Their Church Home and just be here for the experience. telling you, that's just the truth. So how are you being a part of the church? You are here for a reason. And you don't have to wait for church leadership to plug you in. That's the beauty of the gospel. Innovation. Amen, church? Let's pray. Lord God, as we respond now to the truth of your word. Lord, we don't want to be a part of a church that we are doing it by our own creativity, our own ingenuity. Lord, unless you build this house, <laughs> it's just not going to last. So Lord, this is your church. It's always been your church. Lord, continue to lead and guide in ways. And some of those ways we acknowledge even right now, it's not going to make sense. But, Lord, you continue to guide us. And, Lord, you build the church that you desire this body of believers to be. Whether they're online, whether they're here in person. Lord, we pray that this church will bring glory and honor to your purpose and your plan. All in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.